The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2019 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycnd.com. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm not even sure if I really need this microphone, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, so you can tell your friends that they didn't come. They can listen to this. It's recorded. It'll be on the website at the end of the conference. So you are... Um, the, talk, the name of the talk is called Reach the Nations Through Your Story, basically kind of giving you a big vision that through what God has done in your life, you can impact the nations. All right, that's pretty exciting uh, vision for your life. But really what we're going to narrow it down to is just how do I share my personal testimony? What do I say? Uh, how long does it need to be? What's important? What's not important? Things of that nature. So that's really what this talk is all about. There's lots of evangelism talks, discipleship talks out there that you all can go to. I'm going to share a little bit about me. My name is Blake Buckman. I'm the regional director in Louisville, Kentucky, so we're the newest region in the campus outreach world. Uh, we moved there in 2016. This is my family. This is my wife, Liza. We've been married for a little over 11 years, and our three kids, James, is our oldest. He's almost five, and then we had twins, Bennett and Lindley. There'll be three in April, so life is very, very full right now, um, and always moving at fast paces in three different directions. So uh, I went to Georgetown College, small school in Kentucky, and became a Christian there my junior year through campus outreach, so meeting staff, them sharing the gospel with me, and then over the course of time, uh, repenting and believing in Jesus. And so... Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me, and we are in Louisville on two campuses and excited about what God is doing. So, um, all right, let me pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to jump in. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for these students here. God, thank you that we can pull away for five days and just focus on uh, you. God, we can focus on being with you and what that looks like. God, you have given us all uh, a story. You've done amazing things in our lives that we would even be sitting in this room today, uh, God. And so we give you thanks and glory for that, Lord. Would you use this, this seminar uh, to reach hundreds of thousands of millions of people with the gospel, God? Would you help us do that, Lord? Would you be glorified in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Well, um, when I was in college, I met a guy named Andy. And... As we were talking, you know, small talk, it's kind of like, where, where are you from? You know, uh, what do you like to do? What's your family like? I was telling him where I was from, and I was like, I'm from a little bitty place in Kentucky called Lebanon. And he was like, no, you're not. I was like, what do you, what do you mean, no, I'm not? How are you going to argue with me about where I'm from? Yes, I am. He's like, man, you're not, you're not from this, like, little bitty town. You know, he was, from, like, from Georgia or something. He had no idea where I was. I even told him some facts about my hometown. He was like, no, I just don't believe that that's really where you're from. Um, and so it was strange, I know, but we kept growing our relationship and eventually we, we became friends. And I was like, Hey, you come, how about you come to my hometown? Like, let's take a little trip. I'm going to show you around. He's like, okay. So we go, you know, and I'm showing him like, Hey, that's where I went to my elementary school. And that's the park where I had a bicycle wreck and scraped my knee really bad, lost a tooth. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's the court that I grew up playing basketball on with my friends and so I was showing him all these places around, and then we started seeing people, and they were like, oh, hey, hey, Blake, uh, good to see you back in town, you know. And so over time, 
he looked at me and said, man, you really are from here, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I told you that in the first place. Um, he said, I believe you now. And it really is a silly example. Um, but usually when someone, when, when you share something about your life, it's, it's really difficult for someone to refute you or to say, no, you did not. That's not your experience. That's not who you are. And uh, they're not going to argue with you about what happened on your eighth birthday. You know, you can't you say, tell them a story. They're not going to say that didn't happen. You know, just like if you told me where you were from, I'm not going to say, no, you're not. Like, no one's going to do that. It's who you are. It's your story. It's your experience. And when we're talking about sharing the gospel with people, it can be very, very intimidating to think about what to say. All right. But. This talk in particular is saying, let's share it. Let's share the gospel through our story. People can't necessarily argue with you about what God has done in your life. They can argue with you about all the different nuances of the Christian faith and the walk and if God exists and did Jesus really rise from the grave. They can argue all those things. But what they can't argue with you is God did this to me. He did this in my life. And that's what we're kind of hoping happens through this. Um, so, how do I share the gospel using my story? What exactly do I share? That's what we're going to look at today. Here, i got two points for us. Um, one is the point of a personal testimony, and then number two is going to be the prayer of sharing your testimony. So, the point and the prayer of your testimony. So, what's the point? To, the point is this, is to clearly share the gospel through your experience with the aim to persuade. It should be on there. Yeah, there you go. So to clearly share the gospel through your experience with the aim to persuade. I actually took this definition from Max Stiles, who's been speaking. So his definition of evangelism is sharing the gospel with the aim to persuade. That's his definition of, uh, that's his definition of evangelism. Sorry, not the gospel. His definition of evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. So I just added through your experience. Okay, that, that's the point of sharing your personal testimony. What it's not, it's not a way to bypass the gospel. Okay, Some people just think, oh, if I just share my story, I don't have to say all the hard things about Jesus and God. I, it's just my story. It'll be real fluffy and you know, exciting, whatever, and it won't be very difficult. It'll be easy for me. Well, that's actually, that's actually not the point at all. Like, uh, the point is that it's a, it's, a, it's a means for you to be able to share the gospel with someone through your story. So it's not a way to bypass the gospel. The gospel is the point of your story. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Mark Dever uh, is a famous pastor in Washington, D.C., and he said this about sharing your testimony. A personal testimony is a wonderful thing. The Bible is full of examples of it, and we should testify to the wonderful experience of receiving God's mercy. But consider John 9, you can go look at it later if you want to, and the man born blind. He gives his testimony, but doesn't even know who Jesus is. His words glorify God, but they don't present the gospel. This is not evangelism. Unless you're explicit about Jesus Christ and the cross, then it is not the gospel. Okay? So we want to make sure that the gospel is actually central to what we're sharing. We want to make sure that it is central to what we're sharing. That if honestly that if you share your story and you don't present the gospel, it's actually not evangelism. You can't say, yeah, 
You know, I did evangelism today. I shared my story. If you don't really present the gospel, it's not really evangelism. And that's the goal of the testimony. That's like what we want to do. Is It's just a, it's a way to share the gospel. My senior year, uh, I was at New Year's Conference. We were in Nashville. It was 2007. And I'd been a Christian for about eight or nine months. And uh, I learned a lot about evangelism there. I learned a lot. Uh, I did not grow up in church, so I had no category for the Bible and these big words like evangelism. Uh, but I was really, really excited about trying to share the gospel with people uh, back at school. And so it just so happened that we were leaving Nashville. We were driving back to uh, Georgetown, Kentucky. And the staff guy that was on our campus, he actually needed a ride. So he was like, hey, Blake, do you have any room in your car? And it was just me and two other guys that were in a Bible study with me. And then he rode with us. And, you know, we learned a lot at New Year's conference. We had a lot of questions. We were excited about him being in the car. And so we just drilled him with questions the whole way home. It was like a three-hour drive, and we just asked him a ton of questions. And uh, a lot of them were around evangelism and discipleship. A lot of them were around how do we reach the world? How do we make the most impact with our life? And... Uh, Honestly, and to, to, to this day, he's not on staff anymore, but to this day, he's, the, he's one of the best evangelists I've ever seen. He's one of the best relational people I've ever uh, met before in my whole life. And so I really admire and look up to him. But he told me two things in particular that I'll never forget that day. And he used a, uh, he used a baseball analogy. So if you play sports or understand baseball at all, this will help. If not, then you, hopefully you can ask someone and figure it out. Um, but he talked about, you know, a pitcher in a baseball has several different pitches. But the majority of good baseball pitchers have a good fastball. That's just kind of their bread and butter is a fastball. And he said evangelism is like that. You've got to have several different pitches. But the first pitch you really want is your fastball. And he's like, that's your testimony. Like, that's your fastball is that you, it, it should be uh, a good pitch every single time. You should have it down. It should be the first one you grab out of the bag and throw is your testimony. I remember that. And I also remember thinking, God, would you give me a lot of different types of pitches? Like, help me understand when I need to throw a curveball, when I need to throw a slider, when it needs to be off speed, all these different things. I wanted to be uh, a person who could share the gospel in a lot of different ways. And the second thing he said was, become a lifestyle evangelist. He said, become a lifestyle evangelist. So it's not always that, hey, I've got a goal this week to share the gospel with one person, you know, every week, and I want to meet that goal. He just said, and just as you're going in life, become a lifestyle evangelist. So when you're in the supermarket, and you're checking out, you're engaging with the person that's, that's, you know, the cashier, or when you're at the park and you're walking with your, you know, you're with your kids on the playground, engaging with other families there. Just become a lifestyle evangelist. And I thought, that is, I don't know how that would be possible. Um, and so he was like, train your mind to always be thinking of, how can I get into a gospel conversation with someone? Well, we got back to school, you know, just a couple weeks later, and I'm um, in my fraternity, and I'm like, man, I really, I really want to share the gospel with these people. I'm not really sure what to say, how to say it, when to say it, but I know I should be doing it, and I want to. Well, I went to Walmart with a fraternity brother. His name was Will. And Will and I were looking at some food. So you're college student, you understand. We were looking at ramen noodles and peanut butter. And, uh, you know, we're in the aisle, and, you know, we're, we're picking out the flavor of ramen noodles that we want. And I was, I mean, I started getting sweaty. And I was like, well, how am I going to say this? How am I going to enter into, like, a gospel conversation with him? And I just said, Will, I said, do you believe in God? 
And he kind of looked around and was like, yes, Blake, why did you ask me that? And I was like, oh, man, just, just seeing, just, just want to know. And I didn't say anything else. I had no idea what else to say. Uh, and so did I share the gospel that day? Absolutely not. Uh, was it super awkward? Yes, in every way possible. It was super awkward. But it was, it was the first step for me of faithfulness towards sharing the gospel. And really what I, I needed was I needed more training. I needed more training. I needed to come to something like this. I needed a summer project. I needed a spring break. Something. Uh, I needed someone to be pouring into me to teach me how to do that. Um, and so, all right, let's look at where do we see person, a personal testimony in the Bible? Where do we see a personal testimony in the Bible? We're going to look at, uh, I've got it up here. It's a, it's, it's a big passage. It's the whole chapter of Acts 26. You can kind of go look at it. Um, but it's a story. It's a story of Paul. Okay, so many of you may know who he is. He was, his name was Saul, and Saul was persecuting Christians. He was sending Christians to jail, to prison, to death. He was also there to, to kill them. Like, he was a bad guy, but he thought, I'm following God. I'm doing the right things by getting rid of these people who believe in Jesus. So that's who we're talking about here. Well, in this chapter, he's like in huge trouble, been caught, he's in jail, and he's about to go before the, the, the authority, and we're going to see what happens. The authority actually gives him, hey, you have the mic, what are you going to say now? And we're going to see what he said. So let's. you can follow along on the screen. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews. O King, why is it though, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, 
I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then into Jerusalem, and throughout the whole region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that, by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words, for the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in the corner. King Agrippa, do you, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with him. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is, do is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. All right, that's kind of a long story, but you see it's Paul's declaration of, hey, he's in front of King Agrippa, what's he going to say to him? And he appeals to the king. Hey, you know as well as I do about the Jewish customs. Like, you understand this. And the king at the end is like, do you want me to believe this as well? He's like, oh yeah, I definitely do. Not just you, but anyone who's hearing me right now, I want them to believe. And so we see some amazing things in this chapter of the Bible. Uh, we see, I had to highlight, go back to the, to the first slide. Some of the red is, you see, he talks about his life before he met Jesus. So he, he talks about, hey, this is what I was like before I actually became a Christian, before I actually became a believer in Jesus. He encounters Jesus, and then Jesus reveals his true self to him. So we see what happened when Paul met Jesus. What did Jesus say? What was, you know, uh, what impacted Paul? We see that in his testimony right here. We see repentance and faith on Paul's part. He says, he says to the king, O king, should I, I couldn't disobey this Jesus and what he said. So we see obedience to Jesus right here. And then Paul even bids or asks them, hey, would you repent and believe as well? And so I think there's, a, there's some, oh, some good things that we can learn uh, from Paul's testimony. And so, all right, here's what we're going to do next. Um, I've, I have, I, I've decided not to do a handout because it's 2019, almost 2020, and people just want digital things. Like, I want something in a digital form so that I can go and edit it or whatever. So go to the next slide. Here's a QR code if you have a QR scanner. And then here's a tiny URL, which there may be a better way to do these things, but this is just what, what I created. So if you have that, you can pull it up right now because I'm going to walk through the document that you can keep. And you know how Google Documents work. It's a view only, so you literally can make a copy, and then you can, you can type uh, into it later on whenever you want to, share it with your friends, whatever you want to. Um, 
So I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna just leave that up there for just a second before I go through it. But I think it's I think it's worth saying as we're about to go through this kind of worksheet that um, when you're thinking about saying your personal testimony, I think you should have three in your pocket. Okay, I think you should have a three-minute one, a one-minute testimony, and I think you should have a thirty-second testimony. Okay, so for some of you, maybe like that's crazy to even think about, but I'm going to tell you why. Because you never know when you're just going to be walking around and you've only got about 20 to 30 seconds to engage with someone over the gospel. What are you going to say? How are you going to say it? You can do it. I promise you it's possible. But you never know when you're going to actually be sitting down at a coffee shop or on an airplane or with a friend and you actually get, man, they're going to listen to you for three or four minutes. And you get to elaborate a little bit more on your story. And so... Three minute, one minute, and then a 30 second version. And it's going to take a lot of practice. Okay? It, it just is. It's just like any, anything in life. It just takes practice to get it nailed down. And so do that with your friends. Practice your, your testimony uh, with your friends. All right. We're going to, we're going to walk through. This is, this is what is on that, that Google document uh, if you have it open. And so you can kind of go in and edit it or make a, make a new one, but uh, it's for you to keep. So when you're sharing your personal testimony, one of the first things you want to think about is you want to talk about what was your life like before knowing Jesus, okay? What was your life like before knowing Jesus? We saw, we saw that in Paul's testimony in Acts 26. It's very good in ours. So these A, B, C, D, E, like you don't have to have all of these things, but these are just kind of tips for you as you're thinking about it. So you want to have relevant stories, uh, people, memories that shape the way you lived, thought, and viewed life. It's not necessarily true that you have to have that. You may not even go into something like that. But what were things happening in your life that was shaping who you were and are? Maybe it's your family. If you, if you became a Christian and growing up, like this is where you're going to talk about. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to, to church. Like Those are the kind of things that are going to be relevant. Um, what was your attitude towards God? What was your view of God? I always share this whenever I'm just sharing my story. I'm like, hey, before I was a Christian, I didn't really grow up in church. My view of God was this. And I always say, I, I just thought of him as like a head coach like of a sports team. That if I do all the things I'm supposed to do, I'll get playing time. I'll be on his good side. But if I mess up, I'm on the bench. I don't get a play. He's mad at me. He punishes me. That's kind of how I viewed God growing up. So you can, you can use that. You don't want to glorify sin. And so uh, whether you're listening to this in this room or online one day, this is not a time to talk about how many beers you could drink or how many shots of bourbon you took one night you know, or how many people you slept with. Like, you don't want to glorify sin. Yes, it is good to say, man, I really struggled with sexual purity or I really struggled with drugs and alcohol, whatever it might be. I really struggled with X, Y, and Z. But you don't want to glorify it. Okay? You don't want to glorify it. And then you want to avoid speaking negatively or critically about a group. So if you grew up in a church that maybe it wasn't the greatest situation for you, it actually burned you, and then you became a Christian a little bit later, like, don't talk negatively about them. You could just say, I just grew up in a church, didn't have necessarily a great experience, and then move on to the next thing, if those things make sense. So you want to share a little bit about what your life was like before Christ. All right, number two is you want to move into realizing your need 
for a Savior or a Redeemer. And so here you're going to talk about your understanding of sin. When did you realize that there was sin in the world and that you were a sinner? Okay, when was that? Um, and you could go into, you know, I had a lack of satisfaction in the world. And so things of this world that people were telling me or music and media were telling me were going to satisfy me, they weren't. And so I kept looking for other things to satisfy me. Maybe that's your story. Um, maybe it's you went to church or a New Year's conference or a Bible study and you heard about that teaching on sin for the first time. Maybe that is when you realize your need for a Savior. But you want to weave that in. And so... My life like before Christ, I heard about sin, I realized that through a Bible study at whatever school you go to, uh, whatever church you went to. And then number three is your understanding of the gospel of Christ. And so this is where, this is the most important part, honestly, okay? Because your story is not just your story. Your story is about God's story in you, okay? Your story is about the gospel if you're a Christian. And so you want to share the gospel here. So where and from whom did you hear about the good news of Christ? Why was the gospel good news to you? And so here you're going to literally share. I realized my sin. I realized my need for a Savior. And when I went at my junior year of college, I was in that library at Georgetown College. And Andy Harden shared the gospel with me again. He, t he told me about how God was the creator and the father of all people. And that I sinned and broke that relationship off with him and that God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to come and to die on the cross for me and to rise from the grave. And that was for me. I did nothing to earn it or deserve it. He did it. That's what you want to share with them. You want to share the gospel message. And so this is a great place to maybe share, share a verse, a gospel verse that really impacted you. Okay? Here are some examples of, of some good ones. Um, I like to, to, to use 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Because for someone like me, I had a really rough past and thought, God could never really forgive me. That's crazy to think about. I'm like way too far gone. Sure enough, in Jesus, you're a new creation. It's like, man, that's, that's really good news. All right, number four is your response to the gospel of Jesus. So, in that library for me, I became a Christian. What was my response? So it's not so much of uh, date and time, but when did you repent and believe? What is your understanding of repenting and believing? What happened after you responded to the gospel? And so for me, it was, man, I repented of my sin, and I just decided I'm going to follow Jesus 100%. That's what happened. Is that there was some something changed in, in me. It wasn't just a... I had a spiritual moment. It was kind of cool. I moved on in life and started over. And it's like, no, my starting over was I was anchored to Jesus. I was with him, and we moved forward. And then the last thing is your new life in Jesus. Share something, something you're learning, something that God has taught you as a new Christian. Um, and so you can, you can go to the thing. So how has your life been different? Why are you telling this person all this? This could be where... And I've never read the Bible before, and then all of a sudden, I just was, I was reading the Bible now, and I could, I could see clearly. Like, things were making sense to me for the first time. Or I just had a desire to actually go to church, which I never had before. Or I wanted to study the Bible with other people. I never had that before. That's your new life in Christ. 
That's your new life in Christ. All right? And then why are you telling people this? Hopefully you want them to know about Jesus. You know, tell them. I'm telling you, like, what happened to me because I want to know, have you ever had an experience like this? Like, what, where are you kind of, where, where are you spiritually? All right. So, keep that hand out. You can, you can, it's, it's pretty simple to walk through it. Take it to a staff if you want more help in that or a student leader on your campus. Uh, take it to your pastor. Ask them in, in your church and they can help you. But I want to I keep going. So, that's kind of uh, the, the point is to clearly share the gospel. There's a handout to kind of show you how to get to that in your story. Number two is the prayer of sharing your testimony. What do we hope happens from sharing our personal testimony? All right, we're going to look at John 4. Don't put it up yet. But does anyone know what, what's going on in the story of John 4? Does anyone know off the top of their head? John 4. So this is when Jesus uh, meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Okay, so now maybe the story is making more sense. So there's this woman, it's at midday, it's scorching heat, she's at the well, he meets her, you know, and, he, and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what are you doing here? Uh, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman, you're a Jew, like, oh, there's so many things that shouldn't be happening right then. And, you know, she's there in the middle of the day because she doesn't want anybody to see her, really. She's hiding. She's, she's hiding behind a lot of insecurity. And what it is, Jesus points it out, he's like, you got five, you've had five husbands and you're under six. She's like, oh, he know he he knows me like you must be something special. Well, through a conversation with Jesus, she becomes a Christian right there. I mean, it's amazing. You should go read it later in John four. And then what happens is 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 incredible. And that's where I want us to kind of land this this plane right here. Is what's the prayer? Is what happens in John four thirty nine through forty two. So you can put that on the on the screen. So at the end of the story. She goes back into the town and tells a bunch of people her, her, her interaction with Jesus, her story about what happened with Jesus. And this is what, what the Bible says. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So the, the goal, the prayer of, our, of sharing our story is right here, is that people would no longer say, It's because of what you said, but I have actually encountered Jesus myself. And I believe that he is the son of God. I believe he is the savior of the world. I believe that he is the only thing that could forgive my sin and give me an eternal life. That's, a, that's your prayer. Anytime you get to share your testimony, your story, you should be praying, God, would you impact this person in that way? What's the next best response? That doesn't always happen. Like if you've ever tried to share your story, you know, uh, I've, I've shared, I mean, I don't know how many times with people this doesn't happen a lot, okay, where someone's like, man, I want to believe right now. The next best response to sharing your story is sort of what these people said. Go back real quick. Uh, is that they said, they asked him to stay with them. Okay, so think about that. So many Samaritans, they heard her story, and then they said, hmm, 
I'd like to actually get to know this Jesus a little bit more. We're going to ask him to stay with us. So the next best, re best response uh, to someone hearing your story is that they would say, I'm so intrigued by what you just said, I want to find out for myself. It's not necessarily that they believe right there on the spot. That would be incredible. We praise the Lord for that. But it's that they would say, I want to know more about this Jesus. I don't, know, I don't know if I believe that, but I want to know more because of what you just said about how he impacted your life. That would be awesome. And so it would be great. Another good prayer would be that people would be so moved that they would want to investigate Jesus more. They'd want to go to church or they'd want to read the Bible with you. Um, yeah, they would want to learn more about Jesus. I'm going to share a story kind of connected to this. You can go to the next picture. This guy right next to me, his name is Jared McClain. He was a quarterback for the football team at Eastern Kentucky University. I was there for eight years. And uh, we met his freshman year in the, in the offseason after football was over. We were playing basketball. We lost. Unfortunately, we were setting out. Um, and we were just talking. And I was like, man, I'm going to try to share with this guy. And as I was getting to know him, I got to share my story and the gospel with him. I was asking him questions like, hey, what do you think? Have you ever had an experience like this? Kind of, what are you wanting to get out? And he's like, yeah, sort of have, but, uh, you know, that, you know, that's just, I'm in college. I'm not really trying to, to do all that. And I said, well, what if you and I just read the Bible together? Like, you're, you're claiming to be spiritual at some level. What if we just got together and read the Bible and saw what Jesus said? We'll just do it once a week. He was like, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. And sure enough, a few months later, Jared becomes a Christian. Uh, and so, him being intrigued by what someone said, someone's story, he started reading the Bible. And let the Bible do its own work. The best evangelism you can do is actually open the Bible up to somebody and let it do its work. That's how the Spirit saves people. And so Jared became a Christian through that. He's still walking with the Lord and he works for a, for a ministry in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, love Jared. There's a famous old pastor, you may have heard of him, his name is Charles Spurgeon, and there's a story about him that I think is just incredible, um, that, you know, when you're, when you're doing evangelism or you're sharing your story with people, you don't know how they're going to respond, like, a lot of that is our fear, like, we're fearful of what they might think about me, I might lose a friend, my family might think I'm crazy, all these things, um, but this is, and I think what he says is really, really helpful, and so you can go to the, I'll put it up here. Uh, this is someone saying this about Charles Spurgeon, but they went up to him and said, uh, he said, now God knows who the elect are, so who's going to be saved? That's basically what that is. He says, I don't. Someone came to Spurgeon one time and said, Mr. Spurgeon, if I believed as you do, I would not preach like you do. You say you believe that there are the elect, and yet you preach as if everyone can be saved. Spurgeon's answer was, they can all be saved. If God had put a yellow streak up and down the backs of the elect, I'd go up and down the streets lifting up shirt tails to find out who had a yellow streak up and down his back. Then I'd give that person the gospel. But God didn't do that. He told me to preach the gospel to every creature and that whosoever will, will may come. This is our mar marching order. And as far as I am concerned, until God gives me the roll call of the elect, I'm going to preach the whosoever will gospel. That is the gospel we are to preach today. And I just think about that, like, in evangelism, we don't know how people are going to respond, but what if we just thought, we don't know if there's a yellow streak on that back 
But sharing your story and sharing the gospel is like pulling up the shirt and seeing if they're a Christian or not. Does that make sense? What if that was our response? Is like, we don't know out there in the world who's a Christian or who's going to be a Christian. But we do know that God has told us, go and share. Go and proclaim the gospel to every creature. And so I like to think of it as, I wonder if that person is going to be a believer one day. Uh, I, it has nothing to do with me. I don't think that. I think, no, my call is to go and share the gospel with them to see. It's like lick, lifting up their shirt and seeing if there's a yellow streak there. All right, well, what happens if they don't believe me? What happens if they don't believe what I'm saying? Well, I tell you, that's okay. That's okay. Take heart. Take heart. Most people probably won't believe you. They probably, they'll probably hear your story and say, oh, that's cool for you. You know, that's good for you. But they might not believe all the details that you share about the gospel. But think about it. When I shared that story in the beginning about my friend who didn't believe where I was from, and I, had, I took him to my hometown, showed him around. Think about him, what it took. I had to actually take him to my family, to my friends, show him what it was like where I grew up before he believed me. So for a lot of people, what you're going to have to do with them is not just share your story with them, not just share the gospel with them, but you're going to have to bring them into your life, take them around to people that you know, take them to places that show, man, I really do love Jesus. He really is the center of my life. And whenever I don't make him the center of my life, I repent and come back and say, he needs to be the center of my life. All right. So what that might mean is that you're taking, so people you're sharing your faith with on campus, bring them to a Bible study. Bring them to a group hangout. You know, maybe they would never go to a Bible study. They've heard your story, they've heard the gospel from you, but they're never going to go to a Bible study. Create some kind of environment with Christian friends where it's not a Bible study, but you're just playing games, you're hanging out, there's free food, something like that to pe where people might come. And let them get around your world. Let them come into your life. Maybe you need to invite them to a spring break. I don't know if your campuses do spring breaks or if you just need to do a spring break with a few friends. Uh, get them around your life and let them see. Man, he really is who he says he is. She really is who she says she is. Like She really does love Jesus. She's just not saying that stuff. Get them around other people and in your life. All right, I'm going to share a couple stories. This summer I was flying back from China and... Uh, I was on the last leg of my flight, okay? It was just about an hour flight. I'd been flying for, or I'd been traveling for about 30 hours at the time. I was pretty exhausted, and I was by myself. My wife was picking me up at the airport. I was by myself. I was coming back. And, you know, on the run, or on the, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but I, I just checked my, ta my, my ticket, and I'm waiting to get, like, on the plane or whatever. We're sitting in the, the tunnel thing, and this woman's in front of me, and she's on the phone, and I can, I'm trying not to, like, listen to her conversation on the phone, uh, but I just can't help it. She seems kind of distraught, and like, having kind of a bad day or something, and I just thought, man, she gets off the phone, and I'm going to try to engage with her, and like, I'm going to give her the gospel. I don't know if she has a yellow streak on her back or not, like, but I'm going to at least try to encourage her in some way. While she's on her phone, the whole way we get onto the plane, I'm behind her, and I'm like, all right, God, if we sit near each other, maybe I'll introduce myself and we'll talk for a little bit. Sure enough, we sat right next to each other. I was like, wow, okay, God, I, 
can't, I have to do this. Like, I can't not do this. And so I started talking to her. And sure enough, she's come back from a mission trip, but just had a really, had a really tough time, honestly, during it. So she was a Christian. Um, but I don't, her name is, she's actually really famous. I have no idea who all she was. Instagram. She's all over Instagram. Her name is Ruth Simons, Ruth True Simons. Uh, she has this, like, beautiful ministry. I didn't know who she was. I was texting my wife, and I was like, do you know this woman? She's like, I mean, just like, I mean, text message after text message is like, OMG, I can't believe you're sitting next to her. I can't believe you're talking to her, all these things. And so we talked the whole way on that flight back home, and then we took a picture with our spouses when we got back. But it's that lifestyle evangelism that I was talking about in the beginning was I just encounter people, and I'm like, all right, I don't know who they are, where they are in their life. I may never, I'm probably never going to see this woman ever again or never talk to her again. But I thought, I do have something that can encourage her. And if she's not a Christian, it could save her. It could, it could give her eternal life. And I was thinking that in that line. Um, all right, I'm actually going to skip the next picture. I don't have time for the story. Um, it was Luke Bryan. It's a crazy story. I can tell someone after if they, if they want to know. Um, but I'm going to give you seven tips for developing and sharing your testimony. So seven is really quick, I promise you. They're going to be very, very brief. But seven tips for you to develop and sharing your testimony. Number one is ask questions to hear more of their story. So really, before you can ever share your testimony, you need to be asking the questions to them to hear their testimony. Figure out their life. Has it been a good one? Has it been difficult? Ask good questions. This is just a tip in life. Like, seriously, become a good question asker. It, it will sharpen your evangelism in mighty ways. Number two is listen well. How, how often, does, when someone tells you their name, do you forget it immediately? Because you weren't listening, you were thinking about what you were going to say next. You were going to tell them your name next, and then you're like, I just forgot your name. And you literally told it to me three seconds ago. It's because we don't listen very well. I am the chief sinner in this, okay? I'm like, wow, how did I just forget you just said it? It's because I was thinking about the next thing already instead of just listening. Listen well. Number three, kind of underneath that, listen for things that you can circle back to that will allow you to enter your story. So as you're asking questions and getting to know them, try to find something where you can circle back around and be like, yeah, in my life this happened and it was similar to yours, you know? Um, you, you like the arts, or you like music, or you're into sports, or you have a broken family, or you have a good family. Find something in their life and story that you can circle back to and make a connection to where you can start to go into your testimony. Number four, I've already said this one, but practice your testimony with a friend. Practice it with a friend. Get good at sharing your story. And again, a three-minute, a one-minute, and a 30-second version. Number five, build relationships with people on campus and share your testimony with them. I mean, this will be a huge challenge for you all, uh, is to go back to campus this spring and start befriending new people with the goal of, I'm going to get to share my testimony. I'm going to get to share the gospel through my story with them. Build new relationships with people on campus. Number six, get more training. Get more training. Like you, We will never graduate from these kinds of things. Honestly, I'm always, I'm reading the next evangelism book. I want to sharpen my evangelism skills, um, get more training. And so take advantage of summer projects. Take advantage 
of spring break trips and New Year's conferences, take advantage that there is a staff on your campus who's available to meet with you a lot. Okay? When you get out in the real world, it's not that way. You're not as, as available as you are now, and they're not as available as a staff is on your campus right now. Take advantage while you have these years on campus with them. Number seven, trust the Lord and be bold. Trust the Lord and be bold. I know it's scary to share the gospel with people. It is. It's the greatest thing you could ever share with someone, though. You have the greatest news that they'll ever receive. Even if they had cancer, and you were the doctor that said, I can take away your cancer, that's not as good as you going to them and saying, I know what can take care of your sin problem and give you eternal life. That's better news. That's the kind of mindset we have to have. Trust the Lord and be bold. All right, so the point of sharing your, your testimony is to share the gospel. Is to share the gospel. Even in that 30-second testimony, you've got to practice it a little bit because it's pretty difficult to do, but you only got a couple sentences to share the gospel with someone. That's the point. And the prayer is that people would believe the gospel and have eternal life in Christ. Think about what God might do through your story in 2020. Okay? We're approaching, you know, I've been, I've been telling people, hey, I'm not just trying to make a New Year's resolution. I'm trying to make a new decade resolution. I'm talking about the next 10 years. We're about to enter into a new decade. And so think about what God might do in your story in 2020 in this next decade, these next 10 years. All right? Think about what he might do over the next 50. Lord willing, you have 50 more years on earth. What might God do just through your story of how he saved you? And you sharing it with people. Honestly, hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of people might hear the gospel. That would be amazing. That's a life worth living. So, all right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. I pray, God, that the gospel would sink deep into our hearts, Lord, and it would be the great motivation for us to even share the gospel with people. God, would we just be humbled that you came and died for us. God, we, we did nothing. We did nothing to earn our salvation. You did it all. Lord, thank you for the great exchange that you take our sin and you give us your righteousness and perfection so that we might have eternal life with you forever. God, thank you so much for sending Jesus. God, I pray a bold prayer that millions of people over the next 50 years God, would hear the gospel through the students' stories that are in this room right now. God, I know it could happen. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness uh, as we declare the gospel through our stories that you've given us. God, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, we've got a couple minutes. If you have any questions or anything, I'll, I'll be up, up front if you want to talk.
comment with your shark staff men and our students. Little Q and A, you know, nothing, nothing too specific, but no, it was good actually. It was very good. Is there a PowerPoint thing somewhere? A little cord to the PowerPoint somewhere? I sure hope it works, you know, that'd be great. I might have to go through There's this thing was on there already. I didn't need it. Okay. I might need it. I think I probably will. I'm so done with this stuff. It's actually unbelievable. Did that one? Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Gosh, you're the bomb. And then I just plug that thing into it. Oh my gosh, that is sick. Get off that page. Yeah, we can do, we can move it wherever. Just move it closer to you. Just kind of awkward thing to move. One more? Oof. No one come up front. Get a hot spot going here. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Look at that. Thank you so much. No Just leave it running, huh? Okay. Okay. Hey, baby. Connect, please. Present. Oh, all right, now the money shot, and it's really going to be if we can get this. I already hooked it up earlier and played, but if it plays, it's sick. Is there like, if if I hit play on a video on here, is there, well, I need to hook it up to my Bluetooth probably, right? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Hopefully that works. We can test it. Yeah, we're about to. <laughs> Hopefully she's. Well, I think yeah. it should be okay. Is it charged? That was terrible. I hope so. I think it connected already. Well. Oh, well, I had it connected to this earlier. Yep, it's on. Yep, we're on there. Okay. And then, and then, last but not least, if this works, we'll be set. Present mode, just to be sure you said. What does that do?
mind because I keep that plugged in. My hotspot drains my battery like crazy. So let's keep this, keep track of time. I'll get back to you when I'm done. This is. We're here. This is it. Alright. Good. Is this like your uh, job to like help people with this? Wow, I'm really glad you're here. That, I would have been so lost. Nope, you did that whole thing, so. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I've never done AV stuff before, so I'm fig we're figuring it out together. Well, <laughs> I'm just thankful that you're here, so. I was actually, believe it or not, I was the resource director for three years in our region. I still don't know how to do any of this stuff, and so it's just a foreign language to me. What up? How you doing, Brooke? A little, actually. I, I do feel a little left out. I'm gonna be honest. So. Monterey County. I'm guessing that's why that door is open. So I'll. Well, they were packed up. Man, Welcome, welcome, everybody. Um, here, well, if it's okay, if you guys could just pass these out um, amongst each other, and then maybe put a stack on the table right there, and then I'll just kind of people come in and tell them they're back there or whatever. Miranda, star of the show. Just. Um, I'm going to introduce myself, and then I'm going to introduce you. You're first, so um, just a couple minutes, three-ish minutes. Sound good? Cool. Great. I'm not even worried about it. I'm going to kill it. What's up? nice to put the title up there because then people know they're in the right place. It's like, oh crap, that's not where I want to be, you know? So. What, uh, somewhere would you go to first? I just came from the UBC and, like, psychology. Was it good? Was it good?
And so uh, I've been on staff for about three years, a little over three years. Um, and so I have a family. This is me and my beautiful wife. She's actually staying back there. And my uh, oldest daughter, Mia. And then my youngest daughter, Millie. And so Mia's going to be two in about two weeks. And Millie's about four-ish months. And so uh, it's been great. So, uh, But before I begin, uh, I'm actually going to invite up a student from the uh, school that I work at. Miranda Heimsoff, and uh, she is just going to tell us a little bit about her evangelism experience and kind of how she got involved with that. And so, uh, welcome up, Miranda. Yes, hello, um, I'm Miranda. So I go to Bradley University. I'm a junior. Um, so a little bit about me. I grew up going to church, and um, I just kind of saw evangelism as something that like really like hardcore Christians do. People who are like really smart have memorized a lot of verses, uh, really know their stuff, and like travel all over the world to share the gospel. And my extent, like my part in doing that was just to invite my friends to church and like to youth group and stuff. So when I came into college and I started to really um, grow and get challenged in my faith, um, my view of evangelism has really changed. Um, I really realized that sharing the gospel with someone is the most important thing like you can ever do and ever share with them. Um, I used to believe that 
or just to think that, you know, just being kind and compassionate to others, really letting the light of Christ shine through you, like, was enough. And don't hear me say that that's not good. That's so important and so beneficial to do. God definitely calls us to do that. But I was letting that um, be a means to, like, stop me from having any conversation um, that was difficult or ask hard questions of people and really, like, bring up um, spiritual things in conversation with my friends. I would, like, let that stop me. So um, throughout high school, like the few spiritual conversations that I did have were just super awkward and difficult for me. I was very scared. Um, I struggled a lot in high school of like, um, like I grew up in a place that wasn't super diverse and I just did not want to be any more like different than I already was like racially. So I needed to control like people's opinions of me. I needed to never give them a reason for them to like not like me. So I was scared that I would be seen as like a judgmental Christian or like a goody two shoes. And I just could not handle that. I didn't want that at all. So that I let that stop me from again, sharing my faith and sharing the gospel. Um, but then since being at college, sharing my faith with others, um, has still been super challenging, but with that, it's been so growing. Um, I still definitely struggle with um, people's opinions of me. I want to have all the answers to their hard questions. I want um, I want to be able to help them in that way. I want to be seen as like smart, and I don't want to lose friendships um, by disagreeing with people. Um, but in that, uh, sharing my faith has really brought me a lot closer to God. Um, my heart has definitely been more burdened for the lost because just talking to people on the campus you really just, uh, you can see that people have some really bizarre and very false uh, ideas about who God is, and they will base it on pretty much nothing, and they will, like, feel really solid about it, and it's really just devastating to see, and um, people really need to hear the gospel. So, um, my motivation to continue to do so, even though it's really hard and challenging, um, it's just the testimonies of people around me, people I've seen come to Christ, friends of friends who've come to Christ. This last summer I was in Mexico, and um, a really good friend of mine, I got to see him uh, hear the gospel and then come to Christ throughout the summer, and that was just so, so sweet. And it's just so cool to see like the small moments that you just think are really um, difficult and scary, like God is working, um, working through you, using those moments. Um, I've definitely struggled with legalism, um, but I've just kind of learned that evangelism isn't about how many people you can bring to church or how many people you can bring to an event, but how faithful you are in sharing with the lost and um, getting through that, that pain line, getting through them, asking those hard questions and getting really to know what people believe and start talking about those things. Um, so uh, this semester, uh, I've had a I had a pretty difficult semester. I just don't think I was in like the best place. Um, but God has definitely used me in that hard time to begin uh, to make friendships with some freshman girls. And even though I was really struggling this last semester, I've been able to uh, slowly share the gospel with them. And they're all in different kind of places and like who they believe God to be and how they relate to them. But it's just been really sweet to um, grow with them and continue to have conversation and bring them into community and let them know who, who God is and that he loves them and um, just kind of our place with him. So, yeah. Thanks, Miranda. Is that, is that, that's probably not good. It's my worst nightmare. I am so bad at technology. Oh, jeez. Oh, huh, I see a mouse. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Too far. Haha. <laughs> All right. You didn't see anything. All right. Uh, cool. Thank you, Miranda, for that. Super helpful. Um, so, 
I, uh, I'm going to tell a little bit of my story as well uh, before I kind of get into the, the meat of the talk or whatever. Um, and so I, uh, I grew up in a church uh, that was pretty good theologically, they had good beliefs, they believed in the Bible and good truth. Uh, they're very heady though. They, they, they were all about their beliefs and kind of making sure that they were you know, perfect in their beliefs. It's obviously very important. I'm not knocking that at all. Uh, but that's really all it was, was just kind of this gathering of people to talk about great things that the Bible has to say. And that's really all it was. And if you were to ask me what evangelism was, similar to what Miranda just said, I would have said, gosh, you know, evangelism, I don't even know if I would have known what that word was. But I, if you would have maybe given me a little context, I would have said, you know, it's really just kind of inviting people to church. And if they come, great. If not, you know, then, oh, well, at least you tried. At least you gave it your best shot. That's your, kind of how you're an ambassador for Jesus. And so uh, that was it. And so I became a Christian just a few months before I went off to college at uh, Eastern Illinois University, a couple reps here in the house. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I was searching when I got there for a ministry, right? And I kind of met some people on staff with Kim Sourage. And uh, I, I'm going to keep around this. Sam scares me. Go to sleep again. All right. uh, I uh, got to know them. I kind of thought to myself, man, I'm a, I'm a prime candidate. I got to be kind of the guy they're looking for here, right? I'm a Christian. I'm looking to get involved in a ministry. It's like, it like, here we go, you know? But the weird thing was is that they actually, like, they liked me fine. They were nice to me. But it was like I, I was always having to kind of insert myself and invite myself to their events. It was kind of interesting to me. I was like, wow, like, why, like, why aren't you guys just trying to spend all this time with me? But all the events I did go to, all these lost people were always there. And I was always really confused. I was like, well, why are all these people? I'm typically the only Christian that comes to these events. I'm trying to figure out what's happening. And uh, I just kind of saw it. I remember actually kind of getting a little frustrated I was on the phone with a friend in my hometown, and uh, I was kind of like, gosh, like, I just feel like all these people are wasting their time spending time with all these people who don't have any interest in Jesus or the Bible or church or anything like that. I can't figure out why they're spending so much time with them. And so um, time went on, and the craziest thing began to happen is that I began to watch those very same people give their lives to Christ over and over and over again. I was kind of like, you know, instead of going out on... Saturday nights, they're going to church on Sundays instead of hooking up with all these girls that are reading their Bibles. It was kind of like, what is this? Like, I have never experienced anything like this in my life. Like, something is happening here, and I don't really know what it is. Um, and so I just became convinced through watching, I guess, that, man, sharing your faith with people is a powerful thing that really can change lives. And so in the fall of 2013, I was a sophomore in college, is when I began to share my faith. And so I didn't really know what I was doing or how I was doing or whatever. I just kind of did it. Um, and I've been pretty convinced ever since then. It was about uh, six years ago. And so I'm not a scholar on the subject. There's probably people on your campus that are way more versed in evangelism and have had way more evangelism than I've had. Uh, but I, I'm going to share with you guys anyways. So you're stuck with me. So, uh, And uh, just a note before we, we dive in, this isn't uh, apologetics training. I think uh, maybe some people might be like in the past have been confused. We're not going to answer, you know, why is there evil and suffering in the world with a good God? Or, you know, what about people that have never heard about Jesus? Sadly, uh, sadly, that's not what we're going to talk about today. And so if that's what you thought this was about to be, uh, really sorry. You won't offend me if you leave. And so uh, this is really going to be pretty basic. I tried to make my little description in the booklet, like the shortest one. And so that people would know, like, this really is just exactly what it says it is. And so it's kind of an intro regaining perspective on evangelism. So, uh, cool. So we're going to talk about uh, our motivation, our fuel, and our vision for evangelism. 
And then I'll give you guys a few uh, evangelism tips and leave you guys with a challenge. Sound good? Cool. And I am going to try my dangest to be done by 4.15. And so i got this phone right here. And I'm going to check what time it is and uh, try not to keep you guys too long. Because I know you guys have had a lot of talks today and you still have uh, more talks to go to. So, cool. So we'll uh, start with our motivation. So uh, I became convinced and I'm still becoming convinced of evangelism. For two reasons. I'll share those with you guys. Um, the first little blank on your out is the command. This is the first blank, the command. Uh, Jesus commands evangelism. And I think even when I learned this, maybe in college, I, was, I think I was a little frustrated. Gosh, it's like Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's about to share these last words with his disciples. He's about to say something really important. And this is what he says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... And heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so people in here that are Christians, and I'm assuming most people in here are Christians, are people that have bowed their knee to Jesus as Lord of their life and kind of said, man, I don't run my life anymore. Jesus runs my life. And so Jesus is kind of coming here at the end of his life. It's like, hey, actually what I want you to do, he's speaking to his followers. He's saying, I want you to go and share the things that I have taught with you with other people. I want you to go and evangelize other people and tell them about what I have done and the forgiveness of sins that I offer. And so I think for my whole life, even inviting people to church, which was the evangelism that I thought it was, I thought it was optional. It's kind of like, yeah, some people do it, some people don't. I know those missionaries that go out there and tell people, well, it's kind of like, a, like an optional thing. It's only for like the extreme Christian. But that's not true. That Jesus is saying, look, like this is a command from me as the Lord of your life that you would go and that you would share. And so if you don't hear anything else that I say in this talk, I would hope that you would hear that Jesus is the Lord of your life. He's the person is in charge, and he's kind of commanding you to go and to share your faith with those who don't know him. It's not an option. And so the uh, second thing uh, is uh, a little heavier, obviously, is that people are dying and going to hell all around us. And so this is the consequence on your, on your outline of the consequence. It's an unpopular thing to say and to believe in our time, but as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the way, right? John 14, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him, right? And so if, if you do not have faith in Christ... Uh, there is no access into heaven, into God's presence. There's only separation from God and eternity spent in hell. So there's a huge consequence for those who do not know and follow Christ. And so there's actually this video. Maybe some of you guys have seen it. I'm going to show it here. Hopefully everything works with the technology and stuff. Uh, of this guy. His name's Penn Gillett. Uh, he is a uh, kind of like a magician. He's kind of like a celebrity, motivational speaker. Uh, anyways... Uh, he's kind of famous for his magic show. I don't really know if that's what it's called, Penn, uh, Penn and Teller. And so maybe you guys, some of you guys know that or whatever. Anyways, he uh, took a little selfie video. It's kind of weird, actually. But he says some pretty convicting stuff. And I'm going to go ahead and let you guys watch it. Uh, and then we'll, I'll come back up. So hopefully it plays here for us. Let's, let's just help. Oh, no. Yes. Is that okay? talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. 
And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was old on big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, uh, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, that's uh, not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh... How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, that I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was pulled. Cool. There's like another minute, but he just talks about the guy some more. So it's uh, how big he was and everything. But I think that that video, as weird and uncomfortable as it may have made you feel, it definitely does. It's really close to his face. <laughs> but uh, I hope you can kind of get why I would share that with you guys. I think it's really powerful. The guy's an outspoken atheist, and he's kind of saying, how much 
do you have to hate somebody to believe that they could be spending an eternity in hell apart from God and to not share them? This is coming from a non-Christian. He's saying, come at me, dude, please. Like, if you really believe this, like, continue to share this with me. And so um, I think that that's great motivation for us to think about is that, man, like I said a minute ago, that the people who are outside of Christ will spend an eternity apart from God apart, uh, unless they hear about Jesus. And so the verse on your outline is Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. It says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, I have this one, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so that there, there's a lot of imagery in Revelation. It's kind of obviously a complex book, but this is decently clear that everyone who's in Christ, their name is written in a book. And one day that, that book is going to be read, all the names that are in it will spend eternal life with God. But if your name is not found written in the book, you will spend an eternity apart from God. And so it's a very sobering uh, reality, but it's worth us thinking about, gosh, why do we go and share our faith, our motivation? And one of, those, one of the top motivations is um, because people are dying without Christ every day. And so, um, cool. So the need is great. The command is clear. We got to go, right? Um, and so that's kind of our, our motivation. So. Moving on uh, to our fuel. Uh, our fuel is the next thing on your outline. It is a quote. Many of you probably have heard it before. Uh, but John Piper, he says, man, missions exist because worship doesn't. Um, and so maybe that sounds weird. Maybe you don't know what that means. But he's basically saying the reason that we go, the reason that we share our faith with people is because people in the world do not worship God. That that's kind of like the primary thing, right? Yes, people are dying to go to hell. That's important. But he said even above that is Man, we want people to become worshipers of God. That we want the people on our dorm floors and our fraternities and sororities to worship God more than anything else. That we want to see them become worshipers. And so, um, and, and just think about that for a second. If that's our primary goal in evangelism, right, is to see people at this conference next year raising their hands, worshiping God. How, and I, this is just so convicting for me, how hypocritical do we have to be to be people that are going out and sharing with other people that, yes, this God is that great and you need to worship him if we ourselves are not spending time worshiping and making that very God great. And so I think, you know, there isn't an order necessarily to how evangelism should go or whatever, but I think, man, someone who is evangelizing, someone who's doing it for the right motives that we'll talk about in a second, is someone who has a posture, a heart, a posture of worship towards God. That they're regularly, every single day, taking their hearts and their souls back to God in worship and praising Him. And so, uh, obviously, this works out in a couple different ways. Um, and the top one, I, I really think, uh, is prayer when I think about this, is that we would be people that are regularly communing with God in prayer, that we're adoring Him, that we're praising Him, that we're telling Him how great He is, that we're praying the Scripture, that we're reading back to Him in prayer, and that we're bringing up all the people that are lost that we know too and saying, God, I have a burden for these people. Would you save these people that we're regularly spending time in prayer with God uh, is really important. And then another thing that I think is important with this is, is a Christian community. I don't know all of, uh, the stories on all of your campuses, uh, but I think just to have a community of people around you that are also going out and sharing their faith, right? That you would have some level of accountability and someone who understands the things that you're going through as well. And so I would say that those are the things that regularly need to be happening in our lives, spending time in prayer, spending time in God's Word, spending time with other Christians to foster an environment of love and adoration for God. 
And if we don't do that, it, terrible things can happen. They, and all of these things that I'm about to mention have happened in my life to some degree, and they've all happened when I've failed to be worshiping God on a regular basis. We can begin to look to evangelism to validate us as a Christian, right? Gosh, I'm a Christian, and the proof that I'm a Christian is that I go out and I, I share my faith with other people, right? It's kind of the thing like, God must be pleased with me today because I went out and shared my faith. That's not true. The reason that God is pleased with us is because of the work of Christ, not because of the work that we do. You could be doing it so that other people will think you're awesome, right? Like that campus guy that leads you or whatever, that he would give you the approval that you need or whatever, uh, you know, that that girl that you like would think that you're awesome because you're sharing your faith or whatever, right? Like all these things that say we laugh at it or whatever, but they're real, right? They're like we kind of go out and we do these things so that other people would think that we're awesome. Or lastly, uh, we could go out and just be trying to convince other people that they're wrong and that you're right, right? That I'm just out here to win an argument, right? I'm just here to just prove all these people wrong and all that type of stuff. And uh, I know I've missed some of these blanks here. I hope you guys have got them. Uh, the goal of evangelism is to have more people who worship God. Um, if we want others to worship God, we must be worshiping him. That's a, oh, no. Um, and so, uh, and then this is the kind of the point where we're at right here. And so, uh, and this kind of summarizes everything I've, I've said on the fuel part. Evangelism is the natural overflow of someone who is consistently spending quality time with God. You can kind of think of yourselves like a cup, right? Like the ear kind of taking yourself underneath the water uh, and you're filling yourself, you're praying, you're reading your Bible, you're spending your time at church and worship and fellowship and you're being filled up so much that whatever is inside of you is just exploding out of you, it's pouring out of you that it's not like, gosh, I have to go and have to go and have, have to go and share my faith today. It's like, no, I get to. Like, I, I'm so excited to do this. I'm spending such great, awesome, consistent quality time with God that it's not an option for me. I have to go and share my faith with other people. So that's where our fuel comes from. Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, uh, some of my favorite verses. Peter and John are under some uh, pretty heavy persecution from the religious leaders. And they're kind of like, hey, you guys got to shut up about this stuff. Or we're going to beat you up, we're going to throw you in prison or whatever, right? This is not going to be good for you if you don't shut your mouths. And this is what they say in Acts 4. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And a couple of verses earlier, it said that they had been with Jesus. I love that. That they, they were with Jesus and they're kind of like, look, you can, you can kill us for all we care. We, we can't stop. This isn't an option for us. We're so convinced that this is the truth and that people are dying and going to hell without this message that... We can't stop. I'm sorry. You can do whatever you want to us, but we're not going to stop. I just wonder what it would be like for us to be like that if the dean of your university was like, hey, time to stop uh, sharing Christ with people or you're going to lose your scholarship or we're going to kick you out of the university. It's going to be like, sorry, can't do it. You know, I got to. I can't. I'm so convinced nothing could stop me from doing this. And I would argue that that comes from regularly spending time with God and filling yourself up with the fuel that only he provides. So I hope that makes sense. Cool. So we got motivation, we got fuel, and then we got our vision. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're killing it. That's great. All right. Um, cool. Uh, awesome. So uh, our vision. And so the, the blank is this. Evangelism has the power to change lives both now and for eternity. Power to change lives both now and for eternity. And so 
Uh, just think about this for a this is This is wild, okay? I know this is maybe sounds like stupid or whatever, but just think about this. You, uh, in here, most of you are probably Christians. And you know the gospel, right? That Jesus Christ, both God and man, came to this earth. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, but also providing us with his perfect record. Uh, and three days later, rose from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Is obviously, is, that is the gospel. It's a little brief. There's obviously a lot more to it, but that's kind of the central message. That message that you know, you speak it with your mouth. The words come out of your mouth. They go in the air, you know. And the person sitting across from you hears those words. This is obviously the Holy Spirit working. I'm not trying to pretend we're some awesome person. The Holy Spirit's using those words, and they go in the ears of the other person, into their brain, and somehow the Holy Spirit comes in and changes their heart to where now that person who was an enemy of God and was going to hell is now, through faith in Christ, a son of God or daughter of God and is going to heaven. That's wild, right? Like, that's crazy. Obviously, that's a little simplistic of a view of how it all works, but that's crazy that God would allow it to work like that, right? That he would choose us. Romans 10 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, right? Like, that there's this reality that God has given it to us to go and to share that message. And through the words that you speak, through the Holy Spirit, eternities can be changed. That's wild. That's so crazy. But here's the thing. And I find this to be true in my life all the time. We don't actually believe that can happen. Like so often, we just don't believe that that can actually be the case. That I could somehow sit down with this lost fraternity guy and have a Bible study with him and share the gospel with him and his eternity could be changed and his life now could be changed. It just we, we so often have such a disbelief, as Max Stiles has been talking about, that God is powerful enough to work in these people's lives. And I would just argue this, and I find this to be true in my life, I'm sure it will be true in your life. If we don't have a vision for the people that we're sharing with, we more than likely won't share with them because we just won't believe that whatever we're, we're bringing to them can actually happen. Right? If, I don't, if I don't think about this guy that I'm sitting across with, that he could become a Christian and worship God and come to New Year's Conference next year and you know his family could be Christians one day and all this stuff, I'm probably not going to do it. We have to have a vision and a belief in God that these people's lives can be changed. Uh, to think about their life now. If you don't share with them, they'll have a terrible life, right? They'll be living for all the wrong things, looking to get satisfaction and fulfillment from things they were never get, meant to get it from. And when they die, they'll be separated from God and hell. But if you do step in, they could come to Christ. They could have a meaningful, purpose-filled life now. And when they die, they would go and be with God forever. Like, through you. Like, through you. I'm just, again, I want to... Uh, uh, emphasize this so much the Holy Spirit working in prayer is so important in evangelism but there's a reality that you have to do it and I have to do it someone has to step in the gap for those people and share with those people and amazing life changing things can happen and so uh, that's our motivation that's our fuel uh, and uh, that's our vision I, I hope all those make sense I'll be up here for a few minutes after if you guys have any questions so um, cool. We're gonna we're gonna jump into some uh, evangelism tips. And again, these aren't gonna be groundbreaking uh, things, you know, where you could just really back someone into a corner with all the things that you know because you came to the seminar. These are really just. Uh, do I have any more stuff on here? Oh, I forgot that. I'm sorry. That was the vision. The gospel's powerful. Romans 1:16 is a popular verse. It's popular for a reason. It says, "For I'm not ashamed 
of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so just to see that the Bible affirms everything I just said, the gospel is a powerful tool, and it is the thing that changes lives. And so, uh, okay, cool. All right, we're, I guess we're leaving that on the screen for now. So you guys should think about that verse since I skipped over it. Okay. Uh, cool. And so the first thing I would say as far as an evangelism tip goes, and I've already said this a little bit, um, is, and this isn't on your outline, is that you already know the gospel, right? You may not be some, uh, you know, master evangelist, neither am I, right? But you know the gospel. It's the thing that you put your faith in that changed your life. And that is enough, right? Like God can use a missionary who's been doing it for 30 years, and he can use someone who's been a Christian for five minutes who barely knows the gospel. You know it. That's my daughter. Sorry about that. Uh, you know it. You know the gospel. And that is enough. The Bible says that is enough. In Romans 10, again, it says that everyone who believes on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's that simple to, to think about. And I, just, I know that you guys know the gospel and that you can share it with other people if you comprehend it enough to believe it. And so I need you guys to believe that because uh, oftentimes I don't. Uh, cool. And so uh, these are on your outline. So the first one is to get an older Christian to share their faith with you. Get an older Christian to share their faith with you. My, my guess is that you are on a campus where there are staff or older students that are Christians, and I would, I would bet you would make their day. If, I know what my day would be made. If you went up to them and was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm getting kind of new at this share my faith thing, or I'm not that good at it, or I want to see how you do it. Like, would you go, can I go with you next time you share your faith? They would be so excited. They would be so happy. But the reason that we don't do this is because we don't want to admit that we're not the man, right? Like, we don't want to kind of, set, like, kind of take that place of humility and just be like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing here, right? We're just going to try and be the man or the woman ourselves. So it does take humility to do this. But I almost promise you, if you go with that older student or staff and share your faith with them and watch them share their faith, it will... Um, help you 100% um, because they probably had a lot of evangelistic conversations. And so, uh, cool. Second one, I uh, actually caught the tail end of the seminar in here before me. It was about testimonies. And so, perfect your testimony and share it often. I don't know if any of you guys were in here for it. It seemed like it was good. Um, cool. So, perfect your testimony and share it often. So, you know, people can, can sit across the table from you all day long and they can argue theology and is the Bible true and all this stuff, right? And they can throw their arguments and you can use your arguments or whatever, right? That can, that can happen. But the thing that they can't argue is your story. They can't because it's your story. It's what happened to you, right? That you were once an enemy of God living in darkness, that someone came into your life and shared the gospel with you, and now your motives, desires, purposes, everything lies has changed through that message. That's powerful. That's one of the most powerful things that you can share with anybody is your story of how you put your faith in Christ. And so I would, again, get with an older staff or student and just perfect your testimony. Talk about what your life used to look like and how you became a Christian and what your life has looked like ever since then. And I think uh, that it will be one of, most your, uh, one of your most powerful evangelistic tools. Uh, cool. The next one, and this one's really simple. You guys can just call me a big uh, coward or chicken or whatever. This is how I start almost all spirit, initial spiritual conversations with people. And so I'll, uh, I'll lay it out for you. So the, the bullet is ask them if they grew up in church, okay? And so this is how I'll go. So I'm getting to know a guy or whatever, and uh, sitting in the cafeteria with them. It's like, hey, man, uh, where did you say you were from again? And it's like, oh, I was from, I'm from Indianapolis. It's like, oh, cool, man. What did you and your, uh, 
your family do there for fun growing up? It's like, oh, we blah, blah, went skiing, and I, I don't even know what they do in Indy. But Colts games, blah, blah, oh, cool, man, awesome. Hey, did you guys grow up in church when you were in Indy? He's like, yeah, well, we, we kind of did. We went to church on uh, Christmas and Easter, you know, when I was a kid growing up or whatever. And that's kind of just how it went or whatever. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, like, what do you think your church or what do you, like, believe about God? Or what do they say about him in those services? And you're in, right? Like, it's that simple. It's just so easy. Like, we overcomplicate everything about evangelism. But you're just kind of talking about their life and you're just making it normal and natural. Before you know it, they're talking way more than you are about their mass and their... Cat, I don't even know all the terms or whatever, but they're, you're talking about all the things that they believe, and you're just sitting there, and you're getting to listen. I think it's a very simple and easy, natural way to turn a conversation spiritual, and so I use that a lot. Um, cool, and this kind of goes with it. This is kind of where I was going with that, and is to seek to understand before being understood, and to ask questions. I think uh, maybe, I don't know if it's a primary reason, but a big reason that a lot of people don't share their faith is because... People think, gosh, I kind of just got to go in there with my gun loaded, and I just got to let them have it. I got to share the whole gospel with them. It's like, no, no, that's not it. You know, like, don't do that, right? Is that really your primary, like, at least first to go in there is just to kind of understand what they believe, right? Like, so many people feel like they just have to defend everything that comes out of their mouth. Look, that's wrong. You're stupid. How'd you come up with that? You know what I mean? It's like, that's not really what we're doing here. We're kind of going there, and we're just asking questions. Like, oh, cool, man. Uh, where did you hear that from, you know, or whatever, you know, my pastor told me, or whatever, you're just kind of understanding what they believe, it's okay, you could leave a conversation, you're talking to yourself, okay, they're, they're Catholic, they believe that God exists, and they believe that you just got to be a good person to get into heaven, it's like, cool, got it, you know, like, I, you're not trying to just try to prove everything that they say wrong, you're really just trying to understand and to listen, and I would say that all of the successful, effective conversations I've had come after that. They were like, okay, this guy like cares about me and what I believe and cool, like, I'll listen to what he has to say. Like, Or oftentimes they'll be like, what do you believe? It's like, <laughs> my turn, you know? And so it just it just works so well that way. I mean, I think um, that's one reason that people can be so fearful of it. Um, cool, and then kind of with that as well, the next one, uh, don't be upset or discouraged if they disagree. I think so often, like, you know, when someone gives pushback to what we have to say, we get angry internally or like, gosh, you're stupid. How could you possibly think that or whatever, right? But I think just to maybe even switch it to maybe, A, expecting it, right? It's an offensive message, right? You're telling them that they're a sinner and they're going to hell. It's kind of like, ah, that's not cool, you know? So they're going to be upset by that probably to some extent. Um, and just to like, like enjoy it. Like they're giving, they're showing that they care. They're showing that they have interest and what you're saying by disagreeing with you, it's like, dude, like, foster that. Like, allow all of their disagreements to come out without becoming Mr. or Mrs. Uh, defensive or whatever, which I've done lots of times. And so uh, I would say that would be is a helpful thing. And then lastly, um, you know, is to just go for it. I kind of alluded to this early. Just go for it. Um, gosh, so many times I'm sitting in the cafeteria in the dorm rooms. I'm just sitting there, a little coward self. And I'm just kind of like, it's bad, bad time. Nope, we'll do it later. It's like, you're, you're thinking, oh, I gotta get the perfect moment, the perfect time, right? Or I gotta learn more, or I gotta figure out this first, or whatever. But it's like, dude, like I said earlier, you guys know the gospel, and you have friends and family members who aren't Christians. I almost promise you. And I would just say, every time that feeling comes in my head, I try and just listen to it. I just go for it. 
And sometimes it goes terrible. And that's okay, you know what I'm saying? It's not always going to go awesome. And maybe it needs to go terrible for you a few times so you can kind of work out some of the stuff. But I would just say, man, above all things, just to think, man, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. People are lost and going to hell. There are lots of people who don't worship God. I got to go for it. Someone has to go for it for this person, and it's going to be me. Um, cool. And so there's a couple, like, practical tools that uh, would take me forever to go through in detail in here. And so um, I'm just going to tell you guys about There's two of them. I have one of them written there, not the other, so go figure. Uh, one of them is the bridge diagram. It is one verse in the Bible that sums up the entire gospel, and there's a little picture that goes with it. It's awesome. And so uh, if you don't know it, I would go and ask whoever's leading you or someone at your campus. It is a super effective tool to sharing the gospel and asking questions. And then a little bit more of an elongated version is something called the Gospel Grid. Um, it's uh, just kind of a, I think it's seven different questions uh, that you ask someone. The first one, you know, is who is God? The second one is, okay, what's your purpose or whatever. And it's just a way to really flesh out what they believe and there's Bible verses attached with each one. And so um, this is super helpful. They're both very helpful and just a kind of learning how to share your faith with people. And so I'm sure someone on your campus to some degree knows those and can share those with you. So, um, cool. So I'll give you guys a couple of book recommendations. Uh, we're doing on time. Oh, dude, perfect. And then I'm going to give you guys a challenge, uh, and then we'll be done. And so uh, here we go. So the book recommendations are these. You can write these down if you'd like. Uh, the Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Excuse me, it's very good. He uh, just kind of looks at Jesus' life and is like, hey man, this is how Jesus thought about ministry. We should probably think about Jesus, uh, ministry, how Jesus thought about ministry. And so uh, it's very helpful. Uh, Tell the Truth by Will Metzger. It's a little bit longer read, and to be honest, it can be a little dry to me at times, uh, but it's got the goods in there. It's got the goods on how to share your faith uh, well, and I think it's a good book. And then Tactics by Greg Kokel uh, is a little bit more of a technical book, just kind of questions to ask and uh, different responses and stuff like that. And then lastly, just any missionary biography. I mean, gosh, John Patton, Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor. I mean, when you read those books and you see the lengths that people went to to share the gospel with unreached people groups or whatever, it fires you up to want to go and share your faith. So I would recommend uh, really just any missionary biography about someone who's going to share their faith. Um, and what they did to do that is super helpful. So, um, cool. Lastly, uh, we are gonna, I'm going to give you guys a challenge. So, this is the challenge. You guys ready for this? I feel like you guys are ready. You guys are, you guys are ready for this. Okay. So, I want you, and I want you to do this right now. This isn't later or whatever. This is now. So, where it's 4, 10, so for the next five minutes, I want you to do this, okay? Uh, or five minutes after I get done talking. Uh, is I want you to take the three names... Pick three people that you know. They can be your, you know, on your, in your dorm floor, in your fraternity, whatever. But you pick three people that you know that are not Christians. And I want you in the next six months to share your faith with those three people. And here's the, the, the catch is you don't have to do it by yourself, right? I said it earlier. You can, you can do it with a friend or a staff person or whatever. It's not like some rogue mission. But I want you to share your faith with those three people in the next six months before school is over in the spring. And I know I said uh, to have a vision earlier, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a vision for this one. And so this will be the last thing I say, and I'll let you guys do it. Um, is I want you guys to think about this. I want you guys to go and think about these three people and write their names down and begin praying for them. And have a vision that these three people come to Christ. And that one year from now, 
at this New Year's conference, they come back, and I don't know if I'll be giving a seminar or whatever, but they come to this seminar, and they are being sent out to go and find three people that they're going to share their faith with. I know it might be confusing, but I hope that you guys look at a smart room. And so I want that to be your vision for these people. I want you to pray to that end, that they would come with you, that they would become Christians, they would come with you to this New Year's conference next year, and that they would go and reach three of their friends that they know for Christ. And so I think that could be really cool. So uh, I'm actually going to pray for us really quickly, and I'll let you guys do that, and then you are free to go. Uh, God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Christ, that you are a God worthy of us telling other people about. God, that you are so great and so good, and the gospel is such a sweet message. I pray that it would become so great to us that we could not keep it to ourselves, that we could be like the disciples in Acts 4 and say we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And so we love you, God. Praise all in Christ's name. Amen. Cool. Do that, and you guys are free to go. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.